Hi there, and welcome to another episode of TPI Talks and a new section called Crew Call. On the line, we have uh, Jacob beaming in Hello. from sunny Liverpool, and we have our guest Roland Grail calling in from Munich. Hi, Roland. How are you doing? Hello. Good morning. I'm very well, actually. I'm enjoying beautiful sunny weather out here in Munich, which is uh, great, to be honest, because thanks to this pandemic situation, I've got a little bit of time with the family and to enjoy some time home and to regroup. Now, any readers of uh, TPI will be well, more than familiar with your work, Roland. I mean, it's everyone from Adele, Phil Collins, Rolling Stones, Ramstein. Most recently, I actually picked up the issue while I was upstairs. Oh, nice. But in terms of, just to talk about, well, the now, really, in terms of the pandemic, when did, it, when did you first get the news and how long have you been at home for? What were you working on during that time? Uh, I mean, I've now been at home since uh, mid-March, basically. Uh, I was heading out, I, I flew out to Mexico City to do a show there uh, with Guns N' Roses uh, for my friend Opie and my friend Mikey Duke, uh, looking after the video side. Uh, and that was pretty much the weekend when the whole world went into lockdown and the whole industry broke down, pretty much. I mean, beforehand, obviously, we all heard about uh, Corona and it kind of you got all these limitations over here in Europe already and the regulations but uh, America and especially South America was still open so you thought okay I'll do the South America tour which would have was planned to be I think a good five weeks all over the southern hemisphere and we flew out to Mexico and uh, as I touched down on the American continent I got a got an email already it's like mm, there is a chance that we won't do the whole tour so oh, that got interesting uh, and Finally, we we just did this one show in Mexico City, and uh, then the whole other leg or part of the the leg was postponed until uh, who who knows at the moment. Uh, and after five days out there, I flew home again instead of five weeks, and that was thirteenth of March, mid March roundabout. And mm -hmm. since that, I've been home and uh, enjoyed a bit of uh, time off, and uh, also uh, time with the family as well as gave me some time to work on new ideas, which is great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a kind of uh, thing we're hearing from a few designers, especially like how many, often have you had this much time at home? So you, are you finding that you're able to get those ideas that maybe being kind of like, you know, pie in the sky kind of designs, but just never had the time to kind of actually put them to paper? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, working on new ideas on the design side, as well as looking after uh, new ideas on the business side, it's like normally, because you're normally always traveling. It's like, uh, in the last 25 years, uh, I've not been in one place, let alone home, for that long, uh, or for longer than whatever, a month or two, possibly. And now I've been home for already three months. Uh, and beforehand, uh, I was home a little bit as well. So uh, technically, I've been home for quite a long time, which uh, gave me a lot of time to think about new stuff and work uh, on new stuff together with, with, with my friends like Florian Vida and, and people like that. And, uh get ready for the restart and uh also gather some new creative ideas which you normally hardly get the time to because of the crazy madness we're living mm -hmm. in traveling the world yeah now i mean there's some clues to some of your work like just behind you actually with the phil collins poster yeah it's but... true <laughs> <laughs> but before before we get to that i was quite keen to just kind of like uh, wind the clocks back and just talk about i mean how did you first get started in the live events industry oh uh that's Technically a long story, but I'll try to cut it <laughs> short. Uh, me as a little Roland, uh, I went to a country and Western concert, and my dad took me to a country and Western concert when I was 
about eight or nine years old and for whatever reason uh, little Roland saw this uh, sound engineer with his mixing board and I was fascinated by that mixing board and by the by the guy what he's doing there with the music and so on and that was the moment when I decided not to get an uh, astronaut or a firefighter or a pilot anymore I wanted to be a sound engineer and then over the path of my youth I started to built my own little lighting and sound systems for my room back home and then I rented it out to smaller parties and uh, at the age of whatever I think 16 or 17 was the first time I got involved in bigger shows because I took a uh, job as a stagehand and I put up uh, 20,000 folding chairs at a concert in Munich <laughs> and I felt like on the pinnacle of my career and I thought oh I made it now it was I think it was Eros Ramasotti and Tina Turner playing a gig in Munich and uh, and lucky enough, after I finished school with 18 or 19, I got involved in kind of the, the, the serious business in the real industry. And I started working on small gigs as, an, as, a, as a lampy lighting technician. The sound idea uh, was gone by then. So oh, right. I concentrated more <laughs> on, the, on the visual side of things. Uh, and uh, over the years, I, I was lucky to meet the right people and uh, to kind of follow down the career path and uh, started to work on more international tours and projects, uh, all, but starting really from, from, the bo from the bottom up, like literally pulling cables and pushing cases. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I got a little bit more into programming and uh, started on that side. And uh, that over the years kind of uh, got, got me into the role of doing more design work and creative work. And uh, thanks God to many people I worked over the last 25 years, I had the had the honor to learn from some of the best in our industry and work work with them and they gave me chances uh, people like patrick woodruff adam bassett uh, and all those folks are over here in germany teddy goods and cherry apple uh, and uh, they gave me chances and i learned from them and uh, so that was the breeding ground for where i'm now and uh, i mean lucky enough 25 years later i'm still in a position that uh, i don't call it a job it's like literally i i, I get paid to to have fun or to, to, to live my passion. Are you a big music fan as well? Was it was this kind of the love of music the first thing and then design came after? Uh, I was always into music. I mean, I, I even played drums in my, my youth, funny enough. And right. that career was not really successful, I would say. Uh, I, we, I played in a death metal band and at the age of, I think, seven, 16 or 17, we had our first kind of real gig in front of 500 people and we were pulled off after the third song because uh, the 500 <laughs> people began to leave the room. So uh, we were not that talented. And at that point of time, I was, was uh, when I made the decision to jump on the other end of the cable. And yeah. it's like possibly a, a rock star is not a career for me. So, but I've always been into music and I love music and uh, that in combination that I always kind of love to be creative and, and, and work with, uh, work with stuff and work with technology and make the best use of it to, to create good designs and uh, put it all together hey uh, lucky enough i was uh, i was fortunate to make a career with that mm -hmm. i mean i mean now they kind of running through that list of artists we're talking about kind of you know stadium acts like and i just want to kind of talk about how someone that you know was passionate about lighting kind of got their first few tours and then suddenly is well not suddenly obviously it was over a 25 year period but now it's working in stadiums could you just talk through kind of some of those big milestones when you're working from, you know, the small clubs to the arenas to obviously the kind of the biggest shows that are out there? 
Hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, to a certain degree, I always followed uh, the plan of, the, I think the word milestone uh, is very good for it. Uh, I, I said, when I was standing there putting up 25,000 folding chairs, working as a stagehand, I thought, that's great, I made hmm. it. But I also then I saw the, the, the guys rigging the lights on stage and putting up the speakers and I thought, hmm, I want to I work there some, someday. Uh, and I possibly did the right things and was not, uh, was not too bad. So I moved on and whatever, two, three years later, I was standing, not on this scale yet, but I was standing on the stage rigging lights and putting together a lighting system. Uh, and then I thought, oh, there was this German artist. They were touring with whatever uh, eight trucks uh, full of equipment. I wanna, I wanna be out there. And uh, two years later, so I always set these milestones, and I kept on pushing. I kept on kind of learning by myself, and uh, kind of really uh, crafting or honing the talents uh, and honing my skills. Mm. And. Uh, as said before, and then I was also quite lucky at the right right times to meet the right people who then said or gave me gave me chances to build. And uh, then after that, being a lampier out there, I started. Oh, I want to get him behind this console and push some buttons and mm -hmm. make the lights flash. And uh, I started to jump into a rabbit hole, uh, which I was thanks God uh, able to. And somebody gave me a lighting console. And I was in this rabbit hole with uh, a few lights, and I was learning by myself because the, I never had any formal education or study right. or anything. It was like, and I, I played around with the lights. And uh, so I learned how to program lighting rigs. And uh, obviously you don't start at, 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 with, with, with a stadium scale show. Well, when I started, I started on, on small club gigs and, and things like that. But uh, that was, I think, really good as well because you learn your craft on a small scale, you you don't learn on, or you sure learn on a stadium scale, but the the basement for all your work on, on on bigger scales is is definitely a deeper knowledge of the small stuff, and ultimately I'm still a believer in the point that uh, you can learn way more working with a small lighting rig, like whatever. It's way more difficult and uh, ambitious to create a two-hour show with whatever. 24 park ends and, and six moving lights in a, in a club. Mm. So make that a good show. If you can do that, it's just to go into the next step. It's just about the organization and getting a structure into it. But mm. uh, from a pure visual uh, kind of talent point or work point, it's way better to learn on a small scale and, and build on that. If we could talk through like some of the projects you worked on in the last couple of years, um, I'm going to start the Rolling Stones, I suppose. Like, what was what is your process for a show like that? Like, they come to you, stadium shows happening, the tours happening. Could you just talk through the kind of building blocks that like go from a board meeting a year later ends in a stadium show? I mean, talking to the Stones, the Stones is basically the video side is my part on that, uh, but the overall concept is as it has been for the last over thirty years with, with Patrick, who's a very yeah. close friend, and we do a lot of shows together. Uh, and it's always every kind of, uh, if, you, if you talk a normal, if you look at a whatever show, it doesn't matter if it's stadium or arena size. Mm. Uh, the very first steps is uh, to get a real uh, kind of good background knowledge of, of the artist, of the show, of the people behind it. What is their mindset? What is their, uh, their message they're taking out? Uh, what is their kind of music? But more to the, way more, way deeper than just the music. It's more thinking about who are those people? What are they? How, 
do they want themselves to be present presented to to the audience with their art uh, and uh, when you get this knowledge together, obviously, you start, hopefully, you'll be in the position to start conversations with the band and with all involved people and all the other creatives. Uh, uh, and then you start to, to build on that, literally. And uh, from, with this building blocks, you begin to envision a design or some design ideas, which will be refined down the road. And uh, then, obviously, with all the creative work you do and you should always have in the back of your mind also the technicalities of uh, a show so obviously you're playing for instance stadiums but what is the budget of the production what is sure. kind of the size you can do and all all those factors uh, and then you craft a conceptual idea which you then turn or then translate into a more technical design so you decide whatever structure you build or however the stage will look or uh, and with that in the back of your mind what what kind of looks you want to create and what kind of moods you want to create uh, you put together all, all all the more technical bits and pieces while on the lighting side it is like which lights you put where or on the video side kind of do you want to have screens what kind of screens where and also within the back and back of your mind already thinking about what what do you want to do on those screens uh, what kind of content do you want to use uh, or what do you want to do regarding iMac and all those uh, those things and that refines down the road and uh, bit by bit uh, you come closer to a final design and that always it, it's all about collaboration i mean it's it's collaboration in between the designers if there are more than one it's collaboration in between the creative team and the, uh, the and the artist or the director, if it's a more theater, a theatrical show, and it's bringing all those bricks together. Uh, you, you form that design and you build that creative idea, which hopefully leads to a good end result. Yeah, I mean that's an interesting point you bring up as well because it seems you know over the last few years there's been a kind of changing setup in terms of the personnel that kind of make a show happen, you know, we've got, you know, show designers and directors that maybe wouldn't have existed back in the day when we're talking about, you know, several trucks and <laughs> a rig full of park ends. And now it's, it's, it's almost have like, it's, it's got the rhetoric of like almost like a theater world coming into live touring. And you've kind of been at the forefront of some of these shows. How have you found it change over the last few years in terms of, you know, these extra people and more of a collaboration with different departments? Absolutely. I mean, uh, as you said, when, when, when I started to get into more program design work, uh, possibly you, you've been the, the programmer, the designer for, for, for lighting in the, in the one person. And in, in, in a traditional way, you always, uh, on the bigger shows, you had multiple designers. So you had a set designer, you had a lighting designer, you had possibly somebody for video, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, but uh, what, first of all, within the last few years, the possibilities got way more with you uh, which you have so you've got more technology out there which you could use you've got more gags in in terms of automation and uh, special effects and all that stuff so the whole the technical part of it got way more complex and the shows got bigger and bigger and more complex uh this is the, the one thing and the other but on the other side on the very positive side the whole visual side merged together more because obviously uh it is I think it's it's the wrong way to think about a show as purely a lighting design or as purely a set design or as purely the video side of things. You only will create or you will only be able to create a, a, a cohesive design or cohesive result 
if you look at the whole thing in a very holistic way, like look at mm -hmm. it as a production design. That doesn't mean that you are the designer for everything. It just means the set only will look good if the lighting works with the set and vice versa. The lighting won't be good if, if, if the set looks shit or <laughs> if the video is, uh, is good. And so all elements, literally, because if you really think about it from a pure design standpoint, we design what, what either the camera or the people in the stadium or whatever, or whoever sees. It's like, it's the whole visual thing, what we design and all those elements, they need to, to work together pretty much. And if they work together, you create magic, you will be flying. And uh, therefore, uh, obviously in that combined with the complexities, obviously the roles will be still there. You will need somebody who's specialized in lighting. You will need somebody who's specialized in, in set design or production design. You will need somebody uh, who's really into creating video content or looking after the video side. Uh, in the perfect world then, this is uh, what you just said, there are now people coming into the industry uh, or kind of roles in the industry more like, an, I would say, a creative director mm. who is literally on, the, on, the, on top of all of them, not dictating, but just bringing all those separate departments together and merge them together so that you make sure uh, that everything works together and every department has got their moments and everything looks together well. And uh, thanks God also, if you look at the technical side, the, the different departments and the visual side, they're merging together with uh, the introduction of media service about 20 sure. years ago, uh, now refined with uh, multiple systems out there that gives that kind of merges video and lighting together. And mm -hmm. that's just, an, uh, it just makes sense. And uh, so you get way better opportunity to build something uh, cohesive together. Right. If you were to look back again on your kind of the shows you've worked on where you're like, you have, you have as you're saying there, you have the video and the lighting and the set and it works as a real kind of cohesive whole. Can you just think of some moments and some shows that you're like, we nailed it as a team. That's the one where everything is working on point together and it just seems to be one whole rather than different elements. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think we've achieved that quite well on most of our shows in the last few years. <laughs> uh, uh, not to be arrogant here, but uh, I mean, it was always uh, kind of the goal to do that and uh, to bring it together well. But obviously there are those special moments where you literally still sit there and get goosebumps. And there could be, I mean, Ramstein, for instance, uh, is still a show we are all very proud of, what we mm. achieved there in the whole creative team. Uh, and that is an, a prime example because it's, it, it's also the right technology for the right job and the right design for the right client. It's not using technology for technology's sake. It's using kind of uh, the right technology for the specific reason to use it for, for that show. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, as well as I think uh, the last Stones uh, tour I've been involved in uh, together, with, or together with Patrick for the last few years. That is one of those things that's like, uh, there are moments in the show, whatever sympathy for a devil or so, where it's like literally the whole thing is one image, the whole thing. And then it's also, it is an image, which is a picture frame because that's the other thing. It's like uh, whatever we do and however big our show or design will be, it is still only kind of the picture frame or the canvas where the artist paints the real detail in because uh, the stars of the show are, n are not our lights or our set or our video walls. The stars, uh, the star of the show will be the artist on stage 
and he's got to be in the center. And if you achieve all that without kind of overwhelming the, the, the art which happens on stage, then it's, uh, then it's one of those moments where you sit there and it's like, hey, you get a goosebump still and it's like, wow. And they don't even need to be huge or big. It's like, I, I still I could even put it as, an, as a photo on, uh, on the wall somewhere here in my house. I think seven, eight years back, I did a uh, kind of a crossover ballet modern dance show, Romeo and Juliet, it's still mm -hmm. touring. And there's, there's a good show and it, went, it goes well. Uh, but after their last number, before they come out for the bows and do one encore number, we've got this, we created this one scene together with, with the director, which is one dancer on the stage and one light behind him. Just a lovely backlight effect with one light. And that is kind of, that shows that sometimes it's not about the quantity of lights, it's not about the quantity of video or any technology or set. It's more about the right moment, doing the right thing at the right moment. And this moment, and I saw the show again, I think two years ago or so, and I was sitting there in the theater, and I thought, it was not bad what we did back then. And it's like, okay, you would do that different, and you would do that different now. But then this moment came in the show, and it's like, still one light, one guy, better than possibly shows I did with a thousand lights and uh, every gag in the world. <laughs> And you mentioned, uh, you know, Patrick a few times and then like Woodruff Bassett design as a whole. When did that, what was the first show you worked on together? And when do you kind of join, when did that collaboration first come apart? Uh, it was funny enough. It wasn't come like, apart, come together. That's what I meant. Come together, come apart. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the first show I worked with them, I mean, it started beforehand with me doing some visualization work because in the early millennium, uh, I was playing around with back then VisiWeek and things like that uh, and we tried to sell the service as well which was fun back then hmm. was there was not a lot of acceptance within the industry yet uh, talking the early 2000s uh, but anyway I got in I can't even tell you I got in touch with Patrick and Adam about 15 20 years ago ish hmm. uh, and at some point down the road uh, there was some need for uh, renderings at Patrick's end and uh, Adam put us in touch and, and I did some rendering work for them and we, we did some projects and then there was uh, I think oh, not sure what the, really the first one was possibly a small theater show or something but very small scale and right. uh, at some point there was the need for somebody to, to, to look after the little show with them and uh, we started to work together and uh, the whole collaboration grew from there. I mean, the shows got bigger and uh, I jumped in new roles and, uh, and by now I'm, I'm proud to call all, the, all of them within that camp good friends. I mean, it's like literally we do a lot of work together beside of my individual work and beside of my other work. We've just founded a new company with my other friend Florian Rieder uh, for holistic design. Uh, but still within the WBD camp, it's great because it's friends and we work together very well. And we did a lot of work in the last years together. Yeah. Um, and just to go back to that new project as well. So I believe it's, uh, it's the Black Project, I believe the it's The Black called? Project, correct, correct. Um, tell us about it. What's, what's the deal there? Uh, the, the deal is like literally, I mean, I, I knew Florian for quite a long time. But we, beside of that, we both come from Munich. We both work not parallel, but often in different worlds because he was off. He, his uh, big chunk of work is within the broadcast world, doing all right. these uh, VMAs, MTV awards, and Eurovision. And he did great work in there. And so, but we always stayed 
kind of friends. And uh, at some point down the road, we saw, thought, hey, uh, why don't do some work together? And this is uh, also last year when kind of we, we, we both came together to do Ramstein. And, uh, and we, we did Ramstein together and uh, beside of two other projects. But Ramstein was literally kind of... Uh, the real the reason for thinking about the black project and all that stuff further right. down the road uh, because Ramstein was first of all it, i think the result was not too bad so it was a quite decent show which we produced together as a team uh and as well as uh, we found out that uh, we work together quite well so we've got a very similar mindset a very similar take on uh the creative process and how to attack things and also uh, and we also both thought it's like a key for really, as I said before, the key for a successful show, whatever, if it's broadcast or, or, or concert or anything, is like literally that is, is a holistic approach on it. You can't look at it just purely as lighting. You can't look at it as just purely set. It has to work together from the from the get go, and this is why Ramstein worked out that well because we worked together on the first sketch, uh, sketches for, for for the set together, and we create that gave us the on the lighting side the uh, capability to put in the right lights and so on and so forth at the right positions, and all grew together. And uh, now uh, after doing that last year, obviously being us for many, many dinners and had good times. And we thought, why not to uh, join our forces a little bit and uh, give the market a new, a new option to go to for holistic design work. And uh, we are now at that stage uh, that we founded a company in LA together, uh, the Black Project, uh, which is growing. I mean, thanks to the pandemic again, it gave us the possibility to really work on the company mm. and, and put it together. And uh, there are some projects in, uh, in the works for next year. Uh, I hope we, we get the, our new website online within the next few days. <laughs> so, which is awesome. It's crazy. Normally it, it took me, uh, I think about five or six years now to put something on my private website. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Hey, uh, let's see where it goes. Uh, it's like, it's like, the Black Project is, it could be anything you want it to be to a certain degree. It's like right. we can offer holistic design, we can offer just purely set design, we can offer anything they want us to. We can offer a full creative production because the great thing is we've got a great network. I mean, I'm still, I will still be involved and will still work with, with Patrick and, and WBD. So that's a great asset. There are definitely without a doubt one of the leading companies in lighting design mm. there are creative producers out there which are good friends in in, uh, in every market around the world so uh it's in very it's, it's a it's a company which is not kind of limited by their own resources it's a yeah. company that can be for every project what it needs to be and for whatever the client wants us to be and hey, let's see where it goes. I mean, at the moment, it's all, uh, it's good to have the time to build it properly. But at the other end, it's like, uh, uh, obviously, we're a little bit on a pause button, like the whole sure. industry is. But let's see where it goes with the Black Project. Yeah. And hopefully. It's, it's really cool because like right now, uh, you know, I'm sure Jacob will kind of uh, back this up as well. The amount of times we're going to kind of shows and it turns out there's a creative, like it's called like a creative house or a creative company where it's a collective of, LDs and designers and their kind of names to it. So you're kind of getting a bit of a taste of various kind of designers in these massive shows rather than maybe just as you were saying before, 
one LD that was behind the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you find that's, that's that a lot of kind of artists and management are really enjoying that new setup where you're going to like a company for a design rather than an individual? I, I think absolutely. And I think that's definitely if it's good or not, but it's the way forward. I mean, right. especially younger managements or younger bands or clients, uh, they prefer to have one, one company to go to or one guy to go to. It's like literally they hire whatever, let's say the Black Project. Or if you look at Rammstein, uh, for them it was very very important that uh, Woodruff Bassett Design, who was the contractor for, for the whole creative part, is not only looking after the lighting, they look after the set as well and they look after everything. So they want one kind of contact and they want one invoice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously for them it's, it's easier because they don't need to deal with different uh, identities. They don't need to deal with different personalities. So they can go there and it's like, whatever, call Roland. And it's like, hey, we want to have a show. That's the budget. That's the idea. Produce that completely. And so I think the future for at least a lot of the shows will be those more kind of production houses or however you will call it. I mean, there is no real name for it yet. At least Uh, the industry will find one for sure. (laughs) Uh, But uh, it's, it just makes sense. And, and ultimately, it's also, if you look at it from a creative standpoint, it just makes sense there as well. If you get one guy kind of leading a certain project and uh, putting together all the strings between the different creatives involved and the different design or the departments involved, either if they're full-time with that company or if it's in kind of, you bring together the right companies for that specific project, but with a kind of a, uh, a company which is above that, doesn't matter but he can bring them together and make sure they work together and not against each other and uh, also from a money standpoint if you attack it that way you can produce uh, i think more efficiently than you could do with three or four people cooking all their own little meals mm, absolutely yeah. and i'm um, talking about kind of like kind of the future we, we well we put it out on social media that we we're speaking to this morning um and there were, i think jacob there was a question about Kind of getting into the industry, I believe. Yeah. So, um, someone called Wits.io from Instagram asked <laughs> your opinion. What is the best way to get started as a lighting designer? Uh, from my point of view, is really I would do it exactly the same way again as I did it uh, to work your way up. And even, I mean, uh, you've got you've got the great uh, kind of uh, possibilities to go to university in England uh, and study lighting design, which definitely will give you a great kind of basic knowledge and it gives you the the formal education. What it doesn't give you is obviously the practical information to work out there. Uh, And uh, so I can only suggest is like literally get out there, start with possibly a local uh, theater or a local uh, lighting company uh, doing smaller gigs and work work your way up there because that gives you a solid foundation that gives you also a solid understanding of all the technicalities because uh, this kind of design we do in our entertainment world, it's always an art form which also needs to work within the technical uh, limits and also needs to work within the budget limits. It's uh, as much as I would love to have a a project where you can spend all the money in the world and uh, you can build everything where you want. That's unfortunately not the case. So uh, having worked your way way up there through the ranks, uh, starting to to rig lights and how it technically works and then start programming and uh, go from there into a more design side, 
gives you that understanding of all the background, which is a good breeding ground uh, for being a successful designer. And I think that's possibly 50% and the other 50% is just being, be a nice guy. Don't create any ego. Don't, you're not a star. We're all working together and we've got to be nice. And it doesn't matter if you go into an, in, into a stadium or in an arena, it doesn't matter if it's a local cleaner or if it's uh, Mick Jagger on the stage, always be polite and nice and uh, be a nice guy. Because that's at some point down the road, uh, the higher you get up in these ranks, it's, it's obviously your skill needs to be there and you need to deliver your job. But to get more successful, it's getting, I wouldn't say political, but it's also about how you sell yourself and about uh, social competence in between people. Those two elements, hey, I think then you've got a bright career ahead of you. Yeah, a recipe for success, I guess. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Ryan Pavola on Facebook asked, um, hey, what is the design process and the process for the current Rammstein Stadium tour rig? Hmm. Uh, I mean, the design process uh, is like I said uh, at the beginning, is like you start to, we started uh, in 2018, early 2018, myself, Florian, and, and uh, then later on as well, Patrick, when he jumped on, uh, we started to think about uh, the band first. And we, we did our research about their career and the people behind it and to, to create and get an idea of uh, the whole Ramstein topic, especially Ramstein is very specific in that uh, that case because they've got a very defined own visual world. Uh, also, thanks God, uh, thanks to the work uh, people before us did there, like Leroy, when he was working and designed their shows for nearly 20 years, he did great work and they defined a specific world and you've got to fit whatever you present them or do with them has got to fit in this specific world. It is obviously, it is an evolution. It will build on that, but it has to fit in there. So we started to, to put our ideas together and we brainstormed and uh, Florian and myself had good discussions about it. And, and from there, we built an initial idea uh, with some input from Patrick as well. And we built that idea. And uh, funny enough, that idea ended up in some uh, concept renderings and some visualizations. Which, is, which are not too far off from the end result. Uh, in the next step, obviously, uh, we presented that to the band. And at some point uh, when we presented uh, that, they decided they liked our approach and our idea visually. Uh, and we met uh, and we also found out that uh, because that's key for any success, successful collaboration or work for, for an artist or for a director or for whoever is, that you also personally click, that you are in the same wavelength, that you can talk ideas and, and develop ideas together. Uh, that's that's a must to be to create something good because if this it's like a situation where the artist is the boss who dictates everything and doesn't want to talk to you, it doesn't work. That's you can't create magic doing that. So we found out with the band and that all the whole thing worked together, and from that point on, uh, obviously. By that point, also we had we had all the kind of the variables together that we knew it will be a stadium show. Uh, it will be the budget will be round about that amount of dollars. Uh, it it has got to be tourable and it has, has to be whatever could be. It has to be built in a certain amount of time and loaded out in a certain amount of time. Uh, that all went into our design concept uh, on the technical side and. 
then from that point on when we decided to really work together with them or they decided to really work together with us it's the other way around uh basically we all we all created this great brain trust between the creative team myself florian patrick uh, uh but as well as the, the whole the band as well that they were very very involved in the in the process they came up with great ideas and so we built that show together Mm-hmm. And down the road, obviously, then you end up with a, a final technical design which fits into the budget and they sign off to, to pay for. And this is then the step when we also bring in more the technical design world. Uh, like uh, we had great help from our good friend Jeremy Lloyd from Wonderworks who did all the technical uh, design stuff because a lot of stuff is custom made and uh, just manufactured for the purpose. And you build that whole thing together and uh, then at some point you go more into detail because at all those stages you just have you obviously think about the music but you will have whatever a rough idea of what you want to achieve which looks you want to achieve it's more a look per song which you think about at that stage mm-hmm. uh, and at some point down the road then you go into more detail so you start with this wide brush stroke and uh, then you go to the more fine art stroke Airbrush uh, at some point, uh, and you nail down, and then we we came together the first time. Did a, few, a week in in London to work with uh, our programmers to put together the basics and uh, program the show. Then in Berlin for in three weeks and rehearse it and bring it out there. And th- that leads quite nicely onto the next question as well, which is by Matt D Condon on um, Instagram, and he's asked. When you first approach a new design, what's the first thing you look at? Is it the fixtures? Is it the overall shape of the rig or anything else? Uh, before all that, I mean, the fixture choice comes way down the road. Uh, the, first, uh, the first thing is get as much background knowledge about the band or whatever you're working for, uh, what the, their, their vision is. And based on that, you create a kind of a design, a rough design, uh, which holds, obviously, you, you envision some some looks you want to create and some some emotions you want to transport with your design uh and that then when you've got that together if you get your basic kind of visual vision together or design vision together you then go down the route obviously how you want to how you can translate them into the reality in the best possible case uh, that's this is the point where you then go it's like okay, what kind of lighting fixtures do you take to create that specific look or what kind of LED wall you want to put there to create that specific background? Uh, and uh, that all obviously also uh, includes thinking about availability because uh, there are many, many lovely lights out there which uh, manufacturers offer, but if the vendor for the tour uh, can't deliver them, it's not worth it. it. It needs to fit in the budget and you need to rely on stuff which is out there. Uh, so then it's getting more in technical details and you pick and choose and make that work uh, so that your vision will, will be able to be, repro- to be reproduced in, in reality. Mm-hmm. Out of curiosity, actually, when, you know, new fixtures are coming to market all the time. And when you're kind of either going to a trade show or maybe even going to you know, a rental house and they kind of show you the latest fixture. Are you kind of keeping a note of like, okay, if I ever need this one effect, I know that there's, this is my selection of potential fixtures. Are you always kind of keeping updated? How, how do you kind of deal with? 
Uh, I, I try to, uh, to put notes down if I think something is interesting and could be of, of use in the future. Uh, it got quite difficult in our days because whatever, still only 10 years uh, back in time, it was quite easy because you had whatever 20, 30 different fixtures which were right. available and they yeah. were good and they were doing the job. But, uh, and you got every year you got one new or two new things out there in the market mm. which were good. Uh, but in the last five, six years, I mean, there's, it, sometimes it feels like somebody is kind of releasing a new, new fixture every day. Mm -hmm. like, and with the craziest names and we've got so many manufacturers and all, 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 most of them or nearly all of them produce good quality lights. It's not even sure. that you can't say you can only, uh, only whatever very live Martin and high end are reliable anymore. You know, you've got plenty of them. I mean, all of them, they're, they're really good. Uh, but also, uh, you've got to also say, uh, often it's not reinventing the wheel. It's, it's a lot of evolution. They're making things better, but it's the same kind of light which you already had before. Uh, I mean, trade shows are a good, good, good way to, to keep up with uh, kind of new stuff. And uh, I mean, I'm, or we're in the blessed position that often we're getting invited or uh, the manufacturers want to show us things. And you look at stuff uh, and then you note it down if you think it could be useful. Uh, obviously, then in the next step, it's also important that your vendor either wants to invest in this new kind of technology, which you use for that project, or that it's available on the market, that you can mm -hmm. get it. Uh, but obviously, you're kind of, you've got your fridge full of your normal uh, elements, mm -hmm. uh, and you try to always kind of put new ingredients in as well. Yeah. Uh, and but. I'm still a little old school. If I like a fixture and it works and it does the job for me, it, it doesn't matter. I don't need the newest light in the world if it doesn't add any benefit for me. So whatever, I'm still using a, a lot of whatever, a certain fixture and I've used it for the last five, six years and it worked. Mm -hmm. It's like, but then also you could end up that whatever manufacturer X gets out this beautiful new light. It's a complete new effect never seen before and it's perfect for the show and then it's like all right that goes into your fridge again you've got mm. a new ingredient mm -hmm. i suppose that must be what's kind of cool right now is like you know pre-visualization software has just come on leaps and bounds every year like you know if you've got your kind of you know if you've got your set kind of set up you can just probably drag and drop this new fixture and actually get a bit of a real kind of idea of how it can look in a show are you finding that's becoming more more part of your workflow these days than ever before uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, as, as I said before, I've been into pre-visualization pre quite early, <laughs> which okay. was quite interesting. And I mean, we fought the battles and we tried to sell our services uh, with also pre-programming pre or uh, pre-queuing shows, uh, which was not easy, at least not in Germany in the early millennium. Uh, but ultimately, nowadays, it's, it's a great asset without any doubt. And uh, I mean, with new, new software coming out on the market, uh, it's getting better year by year mm. uh first of all obviously it's good uh to to show off your your ideas and to present them to to your clients but also it's it's a good kind of uh proof of concept because you could put on your lights and you will they will show you quite realistically uh if you've got a whatever this light at the end of a stadium it won't hit the stage there mm. or or something like that and uh, if you think then about camera shots for a broadcast or for IMAX shots on the screen, you can move around in your virtual world without having to spend fortunes and fortunes and fortunes on uh, rehearsal time and, and uh, 
that stuff. So it, it's a great asset without any doubt. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the, um, the information overload sometimes when it comes to new fixtures coming out again and again and again. Are you finding that the same thing happens in the pre-visualization world or are you sticking to one particular product? Uh, to be honest, uh, I've not followed it that much in detail because in the last few years, uh, because of the lack of time and I was in the luxurious position that uh, draw, uh, drawing work as well as visualization work was done by somebody else for us or for me or however. Uh, so I just follow it a little bit. But uh, f- by that, I think uh, not not in that speed like you get new lights. Mm-hmm. I mean, within there have always been whatever two, three different platforms or softwares out there which kind of have been around and one stage to the, software one was a little better than software two and uh, it was always kind of level but uh I'm not saying it i don't want to do any advertisement uh, what i followed and what i saw now what uh, was presented to me from various colleagues and that last year i think last year it was or something uh, a new company came to the market uh, even from my home country uh, and they put out a new software which really was a kind of a big step it was not like a little bit better. It was not a little different. It was really a huge step. And it's quite impressive what they do. Mm-hmm. But it's like, then, then I think this software will be around for, uh, for the future and the others will kind of catch up at some point. So, but it's not like everybody's releasing a software every, every day. Yeah. So what has it been like to kind of witness that evolution as well from the sort of mannequins of age old to now these more interactive and sort of animated elements to pre-visualization uh, it's it's pretty cool actually and pretty impressive and i mean uh and also that our little small industry is catching up a little bit because obviously if you look around what what's possible with modern day computer technology uh with whatever all these computer games uh, all these unreal shit and i'm not a computer gamer at all but i was like uh saw a little bit the, the evolution of it and i had friends who had the idea of uh, using those unreal engines and that stuff for visualization even 10 12 years ago and uh, that would would have been what what they tro- toyed around was pretty much right there where most of the vis- uh, previous softwares are in nowadays uh, but it's it's great i mean it's it's helpful obviously and it, it makes the process way more efficient uh, but also, on the other hand, I still love uh, a good old hand sketch or a scribble from, or a draft from a good somebody who's talented. It's like not, it's not the holy grail. It's not the, it's it's a great tool. It's a great asset. <coughs> Used in the right way, lovely. But mm-hmm. it, 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 there will be still also the analog ways of presenting stages and things like that. And it's also interesting how we're talking about kind of video games and now we're in the stage of lockdown where that's even looking like a possibility for certain shows right now, right? Like these kind of, um, and just on that topic, in terms of some of these more inventive shows that have been happening in the last month, I mean, I know Germany, we've had, you've had so many drive-in shows, for instance. Is this anything kind of, have you been working on anything in terms of those kind of new kind of projects that are kind of socially distanced events? Or are you interested in them anyway? Oh, uh, absolutely interested. I mean, at the moment, it's definitely uh, just uh, the only the it's, it's the only way to do a live show with, sure. one, with an audience. I mean, either you do it virtually. I'm not a too big fan of all these stream stream shows or, or streamings 
because that's like, uh, and uh, even even I, we talked with, with with our friends from the broadcast world uh, a few a few weeks or a month or so ago uh, that all the kind of if people stream an old recorded live show, whatever uh, the Rolling Stones live at Wembley Stadium, whatever uh, an old recording from a live show with an audience, uh, and if you compare the ratings of such a stream with an, one of those. Uh, streams from from whatever Lady Gaga's living room, uh, the, which would be which is live at that moment. Even though it's live, kind of the stream from uh, the old record recording has way better ratings than uh, the live stream. Yeah. Obviously, because a live show also lives a little bit because of the live audience and because of the experience. Uh, obviously, with social distancing, the, the, the opportunities are limited. Uh, so either you do something crazy, like uh, I'm not sure who it was, but in Fortnite, in one of those computer games, yeah. uh, where they did this show, which was a super success, and it's it's a cool take. It's possibly wouldn't be my cup of tea, I would say, <laughs> but that it's like uh, possibly I'm a little too old for that already. Uh, nevertheless, it's it's great that people do that. And on the other hand, you have this social distance concerts like uh for instance uh the drive-in idea which is mm -hmm. as said it's i think that will be some kind of some kind of shape or form of that even if it's a drive-in or a picnic concert or whatever yeah. it will be the way forward at least in, in the short-term mid-term future yeah. because even though when we will return to a more normal it will be an, a new normal it will hopefully be not in cars anymore but it will be a little distance. It won't be that crowded anymore. So, but for now, it's the only thing what I'm missing up so far, and uh, I can't talk about it too much at that point of time. Yes, I've been involved in some ideas uh, which haven't been out there yet, uh, and we've been working on some stuff. Uh, but that would be on a different scale because uh, all what's happening now is on a very, very small scale. It's about sure. 500,000 cars, not more. Mm. Yeah. But that that that's I think that's the consequential next step. Whoever will take the step and whatever it will happen, uh, we will see. Uh, but it could be kind of an, a, a big drive-in or mm. a big social distance concert with, again, whatever five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand people. Mm. But again, it, you've got to work with those new ideas to to give people what they want. Mm. Entertainment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, with with the rules we have over here in Germany, I recently saw because now you can have gigs with with audiences again. But uh, the social distancing regulations for those gigs they are horrendous. I mean, I saw an image from a Shed style gig somewhere in the northern part of Germany, kind of an open air amphitheater which normally uh, seats fifteen hundred or two thousand people, and there was this band with a production on stage, and you had two chairs here with a couple sitting there, then. 50 meters uh, to the right there was another two chair it looked horrible it's like mm. that is not the way forward and yeah. it's 10 times better to have 500 cars going crazy with headlights and <laughs> partying out there uh, mm. than having those those people it will be interesting yeah I, I think it's a conversation i think me and you had roland like in the past talking about how when you design a show now i mean obviously your first thought is like, how is the audience going to experience it? But then you've got to remember how there's going to be someone there like this with their phone and it's mm. going to be replicated in one way or another. And that's, you can see that's kind of infiltrating people's designs in the last couple of years. But now we're at a stage that 
you know, whenever we kind of get a show back, there's probably going to be some kind of streaming element to almost every, especially if it's a big production. You can't imagine an artist is going to be like, oh, no, don't worry about streaming for this one because they're going to want to bring in the audience. So that's going to affect you. Then once again, on the design, so I've got to think about the live audience, the phone camera person, and also the sweeping camera doing all those shots, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, even though before this pandemic, I mean, in the last whatever, five, ten years, uh, I, I saw, uh, it got so dominant that everybody's recording that show and mm -hmm. even either even already streaming it to YouTube or uh, after two minutes, two minutes after the end of the show, you could watch your show on YouTube in a, in a horrible quality, obviously, because the people are standing there with their smartphones. Yeah. And I still love it. It was like there was this graphic I, I saw a few years ago. It was like uh, kind of the rock and roll hand move of the 70s and of the 80s and uh, then of the millennium. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I personally still don't really get it uh, that I go to a concert to stand there watching at the concert through my cell phone screen. Uh, but anyway, uh, you've ob obviously you've got to keep that in the back of your head if you're designing shows in nowadays, yeah. because that stuff, even if it's just filmed by uh, a normal punter with, with a smartphone, it will go viral and it will go out there and mm -hmm. uh, thousands of people will see it, possibly yeah. more than people who, who would see the live show in real. Uh, so it has to kind of you, you've got to have it in the back of your mind to to make it look good, kind of at least as good as possible on this little screen as well. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the other thing on, on streaming, and I think that could be definitely uh, something for the future is a combination as well, uh, like having real life shows, hopefully with normal audiences next year again. Uh, but also stream them and uh, get more people in your audience that you sell whatever uh, cheap streaming tickets obviously it won't be whatever 100 bucks for a ticket as you will go to the venue but have a 10 dollar or 20 dollar streaming ticket which you can log in and and i think there's a lot of potential in that yeah because obviously you could make it interact or a little interactive that you can say whatever uh because some people just want to see the singer all the time some people want to see the overall concert some people are not even there for, for the star in the middle. They, they love the bass player or various things. And yeah, I think there's good potential to uh, kind of move on to the next step and uh, let's see where that goes. Yeah, well, fingers crossed the future, eh? Yeah, absolutely. There was one more question. I, I don't know if this is a friend of yours or not, but apparently there's a rumor that you're a bit of an oyster lover. Oh, <laughs> that must be somebody who knows me, actually. Uh, I, I, I'm, in general, I love food. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm a proper foodie and uh, I'm a very big fan of oysters and mm -hmm. uh, I can eat quite a lot of oysters. Yeah, he said, what's the most you've ever eaten in one go? And this to is a question. Who, I would say, uh, I don't really know the exact number, but I would say about 50 or 60 oysters or something. It's like, yeah. Uh, assistant? Uh, yeah. It's like in my, my younger days when I could still eat more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't stand them at all. <laughs> really? No. Uh, it, it took me for ages. I mean, I, I hated them in my youth or when I tried it before. And I, it was, I think, my first South, visit to South Africa, funny enough, when I flew down there uh, and had a good time in Cape Town. Uh, and I tried one there again, just for the shits and giggles, and I fell in love with them. It was mm -hmm. possibly at the age of 27, 28. Yeah. And since that day, well, with good oysters, you make me happy. I mean, with, as with a lot of other food, I said, I love to eat. 
<laughs> TPI talks asking the hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, speak to you soon. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cheers. Perfect. Thank you, Chance. See you later, mate. See you yeah. later. Bye bye.